0: Alexa Bliss is going crazy, Jay Uso's going to hell, and Michael Cole is going to drive me insane. And you'll hear all about that and more in this week's episode of Friday Night Smackdown. You know, they had us in the first half, Cotton. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I don't wanna spoil how I feel about this show, but it got rough (laughs) after a while. I am not gonna lie. Um, I, this is the one show outside of AEW I do try to watch weekly because I'm usually off on Fridays, so I didn't really have to move anything. So I actually do usually watch SmackDown, and I've been very impressed with where they've been going in the past. In fact, I was prepared to come into this show and say AEW may have WWE beaten wrestling, but SmackDown is the king of storytelling because they've been doing some great things in storytelling wise. And then, then this week happened and it's just all, just all, okay, you know what? Screw it. Let's just start with the opening segment where Roman Reigns was to be crowned the tribal chief. And it was actually a very good segment. I I will argue this was the best segment of the show, and it's what started the show. Because Roman ever since his heel turn has been phenomenal like during his entrance just off of his facial expressions you could tell that he internally was kind of split he wanted to keep his spot he wanted to be the tribal chief but also he didn't want to hurt Jay he didn't want what happened at Clash of Champions to happen and all that was in his facial expressions and then later he confirmed that with the promo it was really good I love Paul Heyman being afraid of Roman because it's hilarious for the man who made manages Brock Lesnar to be terrified of Roman. It really puts him over. Um, I do love Roman still being obsessed with Jay. If you had told me the Jay Uso storyline was going to last more than one pay-per-view a month ago, I would have been disappointed. Not anymore. I honestly, they have me fully enraptured with this storyline. I I love it. I love the fact that Roman is genuinely sorry for what he had to do to Jay. Like, if you listen to his promo, it wasn't a, a heel being like, oh, wow, no, I'm sorry for what happened. It's him being genuine like genuinely i just i wanted to put you in the main event i wanted to give you that payday i wanted you to have all of these things and all i wanted was for you to acknowledge me as the tribal chief and like in a way i love it because it's understandable it's like i was the one who gave you these opportunities why are you not acknowledging me as that as the person who can get our family opportunities as the person who can get our family money why it's it's really good i honestly wouldn't mind this going to a three rivalry pay-per-view but i don't think they're gonna do that um i love how naturally roman just slid into like look what do you want what do you want from me do you want another title match Fine, you got it, and I was like, "Okay, that's what the main event's gonna be." And then he was like, "Hell in a Cell, you got it, let's go." And I went, "Oh, they're extending this, and it is going to be a Hell in a Cell match between Roman and Jay." And oh my God, that's that's phenomenal. And then of course Roman saying, "This is going to be the most high stakes match in WWE history. You're gonna wish you didn't want, didn't ask for this. You are gonna pay." It was very very mysterious, but I really really like it. I kind of. I, I guess they do have to finally say eventually what the stakes of the match are. Like, maybe Jay can't wrestle anymore or something like that. Like It, it may come down to just, like, family versus family or something like that. But I don't know. And then, of course, uh, then AJ came out and, you know... Just had to set up a match with AJ and Uso, I guess. And, of course, AJ got to be fun and playfully racist, talking about sacrificing a goat to the Samoans, which was really rough. And then we finally get the match, AJ versus Jay. Um, The oh man the crowd noise was so obnoxious during this it was really bad um it was a two segment match the first one was really struggling to get going in fact when it finally did they went straight to commercial break because aj was actually bringing in some good offense uh interrupted a dive with a big kick hit a stalling suplex onto the table Really awesome. And I honestly, when they came back from commercial, that's when it started to click for me. Jay was start working a more methodical, a slower style. The only thing I was really upset with was I kind of wish they had sold more, more of their injuries because they both went through hell on sunday so i was like seem it seemed weird that they weren't selling that um also i love the fact that before the superkick jay gets down in the ropes like how roman does before a spear it was a nice little mirroring moment that i really really liked i thought jay looks like a single star like this really put him over as like not just a tag team specialist who got thrown into the uh thrown into the main event scene it really was a no he is a single star and he proved it in this match and then the best moment was afterwards as he's walking to the back and michael cole is droning on about whatever you just hear uh, jay go i'ma get him i'ma get him i'ma get him I'ma get him, and you can hear him hyping himself up for the eventual rematch with Roman. And it was really, really fun. Then we got our first uh no no, because the show opened with a pay-per-view recap of what Roman did to Jay. Then we get a pay-per-view recap of Sammy of the latter match, and that took all of five minutes, and then we come back, uh Sammy cut a very basic promo. I hate that because I love Sammy Zayn, but it was a very basic like the fans are what disappointed me and the fans are who uh, make me angry anyways and then he throws away the uh the new quote unquote intercontinental title the one that jeff had threw it away into the garbage and that was the end of that it was a heel promo to do heel things good for you sammy and now we get john morrison versus otis and it, it, i understand they're trying to continue this storyline where morrison and miz are basically being uh, I, I think i'd describe them like the boris and natasha of smackdown and um both uh tag team uh, partners were banned from ringside so miz couldn't be there tucker couldn't be there we got even more recaps before this and i loved the opening the opening was great because it was morrison playing heel and having this very overconfident attitude towards otis it was really fun i really liked it um but then otis came back just got to be really really vicious hit the caterpillar hit the big splash he won and that was it i really wish they had given them more time i wish they had given him more time for morrison to get heat but it is what it is they're continuing it it was really disappointing because the segments the past couple of weeks last week's was a little rough but like i've i've really loved the storyline and they kind of dropped the ball which is a running theme throughout this show you will find so then we see Sasha Banks in the back she is here live on smackdown and she's going to respond to bayley later and what i will spoil and say is a disappointing promo so then we come back and we get Sheamus versus shorty g and really the main note i had was just like okay this is happening i guess all right and it made me realize that one thing wwe could take from aew is really advertising all of the matches because with aew you rarely get surprised with a match but like here aj versus jay wasn't announced so nothing for that uh shorty g versus sheamus was nothing so like it, it just came out of nowhere um but we are next week getting biggie versus sheamus and i loved biggie's promo because he was like we can go into the backstage we can go we can go to magic kingdom if we want and i went oh my god please fight at disney world <laughs> please fight at disney world that'd be great um the opening of this match was uh, fun chad gable reminded everybody that oh right i am a good wrestler And that was phenomenal. And then he got Brogue kicked within the first minute. Then Seamus Brogue kicked him again. And then pinned him. Cool match. That was it. Uh, Then we get a preview of Kevin Owens, who's here because of the weird brand crossover thing. And there's going to be a KO show with Alexa Bliss. And I loved this little tease because in the background there was a screen and it flashed the Firefly Funhouse stuff. That was really good and then the segment happened and i was really really excited about it i really was in fact this is arguably the second best segment of the show uh kevin was wearing a street profit shirt i love the fact that kevin and will put over the other boys he rarely re- wears his own shirts unless they force him um and alexa did really really awesome like uh i was a little worried about oh no this is her first time really cutting a promo as uh, harley quinn alexa but she did phenomenal expressing like all of the these dark things the fiend does to you what it's like to be in the presence of the fiend and like at one point kevin goes you i think you're brainwashed and she goes yes my brain has been washed which is a fun crazy harley comeback um i also uh there it's a, it ended up setting up kevin versus the fiend next week which makes me so super excited to see but i honestly want them to start playing because like the reason why kevin was there was alistair black which was really cool it was a really cool angle to say i'm here because the changes alexa is showing is the same thing i'm seeing in alistair black and i want to know what's happening with him and it was a really interesting way to change it up so uh and then of course that whole storyline's playing with Kevin's problems from the past. They brought that up again here. I wouldn't mind seeing the fiend play with that next week. Um now it's the ending is the only thing that disappointed me because the fiend showed up. He uh took out Kevin and then turned to Alexa and you see Alexa staring at him uh just lovingly and I had this moment where I said It would be hilarious if The Fiend just walked away, if The Fiend uh, abandoned her in that moment. I thought it would be great, but instead we got a weird phantom of the opera, extend the hand, Alexa takes it, and now we have the confirmation Alexa is with The Fiend, but I I don't know. I kind of wish they would play more into the actual harley quinn joker thing which is the fact that harley is always chasing after joker she's always trying to get his attention she's always vying for him and i would have loved to to play with that but they didn't instead it's just hey they're together all right and i honestly thought this was the most disappointing evolution of alexa so far because yes she did have a little bit of craziness but she didn't lean into it enough in my opinion but that's also just me i know a lot of people really really loved it but for me i thought it was a little bit disappointing i thought they could have done a lot more to set up before she finally came face to face with the fiend again but it it is what it is um now we get the best quote of the night and that comes from michael cole because they were talking about the wwe thunderdome and he goes it's the most visually appealing thing that wwe's ever created and i said are you looking at the same thing i am michael because it is not at all visually appealing it is in fact kind of the worst So now we get a uh, type of match that is my least favorite type in WWE, a three-on-three match where just every angle we couldn't fit on the show gets thrown in together, which means we get King Corbin, Cesaro, and Shinsuke Nakamura versus Riddle and the Lucha House Party. I still do not understand why Matt Riddle is treated so well as he is in WWE because he cuts the worst promos of all time. He he literally cuts the goofiest, and not in a good way, goofiest, like, R-Truth. Uh, R- actually, no, because R-Truth is actually funny. Like, it's just weird, goofy stuff, and I'm like, I don't know why why he's here i mean i'm also it it comes back to me if you listen to me talk about nxt the thing i have against velveteen dream and austin theory and the fact that they're creepazoid predators so um yeah i just don't like riddle i thought it was weird that i actually no, i they didn't have kalisto with them and i understood that i understood that in storyline but also i was like oh that means that means we get Matt Riddle instead, so that sucks. Uh, the best part about this match is the fact that Lince Dorado had Megazord gear, and that was it. Also, I was ta- I've been talking about the fact that there have been replays and recaps all throughout the show. There was a replay for Matt Riddle's entrance an entrance does not demand a replay WWE so that was something Uh, Kalisto finally come out interfered in the match a little bit ended up kicking Lince Dorado on accident quote unquote and the best part about this match for me was the fact that halfway through my family came in so we could discuss uh, like we're gonna paint the office so we were discussing that and they wasted enough time that I was able to rewatch this match at 1.5 speed meaning I got to get it over with a lot faster. Faster. I just, I hate three-on-three matches. I understand where WWE is coming from. I do. They want to keep these storylines being built up week after week after week. And the way they think they can do that is by saying, oh, why don't we have a multiple storylines filtered through one match the problem is it just makes me care less about all of the individuals in this match i care less about shinsuke and cesaro because of this match i care not at all about riddle versus corbin it's it's guilty by association like it's i just i don't like it i don't like them at all it was really really rough and it's continuing this weird breakup storyline with kalisto and Lindsay. and yeah it happened And then we get another recap, but this time about Bailey and Sasha. Cool. Um, Also, in case you guys were wondering, the secret woman that they've been advertising. Yeah, it's, it's Carmella. It's definitely Carmella. There's nothing different about her. She's just a heel now, and she got a camera. That's it. That is all that's different about her. She's like, I don't dance anymore and now I have a camera and that's that's pretty much it. So, yeah, cool. Good good work, y'all. Uh then we get a Sasha Banks promo which why the hell was this a mid-hour segment, right? Like this is what I consider to be one of the longest running, hottest storylines they have. And they it's almost like watching the Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho storyline again, where it's like, this was the coolest thing you guys have done in a long time, the biggest storyline, and you're not treating it with a lot of respect. And that's kind of how I feel there. But then Sasha cut the promo, and it was just it was so rough i like i i wish their promos could match the intensity of the rest of the angle cuz the beatdowns have been great the uh the sneak attacks have been great but every promo i've seen has just been disappointing because this was another cookie cutter bailey you're not here because you're afraid of me but you're not going to be able to run next week because they're pulling the trigger on this match next week which i know They're probably not. Bailey's gonna attack Sasha on her way to the ring, the match will never get started, and then Hell in a Cell's gonna happen. That's probably what's gonna happen, but holy shit, why? Why pull this trigger right now? It makes no sense. And then, of course, because she wanted to make it edgy and really take it home, Sasha was like, I'ma beat you, bitch. I... WWE, that word no longer holds the weight that it used to because you've just used it in every single female storyline ever, and I hate it. Just so many bitches thrown around all the bitches and all the promos, and it was just a rough segment, and I actually was happy it was a mid-hour segment after it got finished. So then we get a recap of what happened earlier on the show because... (laughs) This is a two hour show and they couldn't figure out. You know what? If you took out all these recaps, I bet you could separate that six man into another tag team match between Lucha House Party and the artist and then a riddle versus Corbin storyline thing. And then you'd have plenty of time for it. But no, they just want to keep showing you everything that's happened. And so we finally get the main event of the show, which is Sami Zayn versus uh, Jeff Hardy and uh firstly they are building up next week's episode it's the first of the draft you've got fiend ko seamus biggie banks bailey it is a stacked card but also i'm i no, i have high hopes i'm not gonna i'm not gonna let this episode of smackdown taint my opinion of next week um for some reason the opening of the match had jeff doing some weird like robot shit so that was I was like, oh, this might come into play later. No, it doesn't. It was just Jeff being Jeff. And then the entire first segment kind of revolved around. Wait, the turnbuckle pad's gone. The turnbuckle pad disappeared because like it just wasn't there. And so I was staring like, okay, that could be cool. Maybe Sheamus and Cesaro, or Sheamus and. Uh, or I'm sorry, Cesaro and Nakamura. Sorry, I just, I I much prefer the bar over the artist. Uh, I was like, oh, maybe they're realigning themselves with Sammy, and then they took the turnbuckle pad off while no one was looking, and it'll be a whole reunion or something exciting will happen with the turnbuckle pad that mysteriously disappeared. No, Sammy just took it off. Sammy just took it off, and they just they decided to make it a little mystery for one segment one little mystery and then as soon as they came back they were like yes yeah, sammy took it that's about it and then the weirdest part was the fact that jeff in a championship title match just started looking for the turnbuckle pad at one point he's literally just walking around like where is it where did it go and i'm like jeff you are in a big match right now bud Maybe pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on. So uh, we get back. They reveal Sammy took it off. And then uh, I I literally couldn't pay attention to the match because of how bad Michael Cole and Corey Graves were calling this match. Because I understand Corey Graves is doing his job as a heel commentator to try to defend Sami Zayn's actions by all costs. And sometimes he's right. Like the fact that Sami Zayn never lost the title, and in all honesty, should have never had it stripped away from him. Yeah, that's good. Bring that up. But Michael Cole is responding not as a babyface uh, JR type who would just kind of shoo him away and be like, okay, I'm going to pay attention to the match. Michael Cole's fighting him. It's like listening to an old married couple bicker, and what got worse is the fact that that Michael Cole started doing the kind of weird... Being a heel commentator means you do play some mental manipulation every once in a while. You have to uh, reframe a heel's actions to where it actually sounds like a babyface move. The problem is Michael Cole started doing that. Like, at one point, Jeff literally crotched Sammy on the top rope, and Michael Cole went, Oh, I just think Sammy's ribs were hurting, and he fell down. Or uh, at one point, Jeff had Sammy pinned, and Sammy kicked out, and he goes... I think the ref's count was slow, and here's the problem with the way you're doing that, Michael. I understand you're fighting for the babyface, but you're making the babyface sound like a heel because you're not—you're not being a babyface about them. You are being a heel towards them. You are—you are lying. You are manipulating. You are being a heel, and it's not working for the match. Shut up, Michael Cole. So it was bad. It was rough. Um, I could barely pay attention. End of the match had uh, basically continuously playing with the uh, with the exposed turnbuckle, and finally uh, Jeff gets up on the top rope, is about to hit something. Sammy basically doesn't crotch him, but pulls his legs out from underneath him. Jeff falls down, his head cracks the exposed turnbuckle, pinfall one two three, and you know what? I get it wwe you don't want your champion to look strong cool i get it but could you not have had jeff hit the turnbuckle exposed fall back and then have sammy hit a haluva kick and then get the pinfall could you not have done something like that to make sammy zane your person you trusted with the third most important title in the company make him look strong But they didn't. They just were like, you know what? No, Jeff just kind of fell and Sammy was able to pin him. Um, So that was the show. I was very, if you couldn't tell, very, very frustrated about it. Raw and SmackDown this week both were like two-star shows. This one... uh, No, I'll give this one two stars because the J Roman segment was good and the KO show was good and then the rest of the show was just so rough. So... Yeah, uh, two out of five stars. That's my review for SmackDown for uh, October 2nd, 2020. As always, remember to support us on Patreon.com slash a load of BS. Find me on Twitter at Scottie Mo S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. And remember to join me on Monday for my review of NXT TakeOver 31 and to follow us on Twitter at Fight Boys Show. Because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life.